right. Well, happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to another future-focused weekly update. This one is for Friday, February 9th. So I've got four things on the list this week that I thought I would touch on. And uh, so just to give you a preview of what we'll be talking about, but again, my goal with this is just to help keep folks on the edge of what's going on at the intersection of business, tech, and human experience. So you'll see a mix in here. If this is your first time listening to one of these, I'll talk about some of the things happening in workplace trends. I'll also talk about technology. Um, really, it's a broad spectrum, but really to me, it's some of the most interesting things or latest stuff that comes across my desk. And I will just make this plug as usual. If you come across things that you're curious, what if it's on my radar or what my take is on it, I always do appreciate when I get the messages or emails saying, hey, came across this, what do you think? And I will add it to the list. So this week, there are four items. The first one is the foldable iPhone. This one will be a quick one. So if you haven't heard that, I will talk about that one. I'm going to talk about the new Google Gemini. And if you don't know what that is, then you're going to want to listen because you may be like, Gemini, what is he talking about there? Well, tune in. I will talk more about that. Number three is I have been following this whole Congress and the big tech social CEOs and what's been going on with that. I have some thoughts related to that that I will unpack there. And then some of the releases and some of the announcements coming out about Meta and its role in AI-generated content. So more to come on that. Those are the big four for today. So the first one, I think, is more of just on a lighter note. <laughs> this Somebody shared this with one with me, and it was the Apple is working hard at coming out with foldable iPhones and iPads. Now, listen, I actually just kind of, when I saw this, I went, why? Just And what was interesting is one of the articles I came across after somebody brought this to my attention was saying, one of the things they were struggling with was kind of differentiating reasons to pursue, not reasons to pursue it, but like, how do they make this a competitive advantage? And I just looked at that and went, I really am struggling to understand why. Now, I know a few folks that have foldable phones, and I think, you know, they seem to enjoy them. And if you're someone who really goes, you know what, I love my iPhone, but I just really wish it folded. I'd actually be curious what your why is behind that. When I think about foldable technology, I can definitely see some use cases where it could be helpful. But honestly, when I think of the use cases of iPhones and iPads, being able to fold them and put them somewhere. Maybe it's just me. So I just saw that today or then I was, somebody sent it to me yesterday and I just went, why are we doing this? And I can understand why Apple may be struggling with all the engineering that goes into this and going, wait, why are we doing all this? So if you're someone who disagrees and you feel strongly that what the world needs right now is a foldable iPhone and iPad. And that's really with everything going on, what we need, or even, even not just to kind of make fun of it. But if you truly go, hey, here's some really valuable use cases where I think this could be helpful, I'd actually be curious to hear them because this is one of those areas, usually when I hear about tech innovations or things that are happening, I go, yeah, I get it. I see why we would go through the headache of this or why we would take the time and energy into invest in this. Foldable iPhones other than just our competition makes one to me is I I'm not seeing it. So anyway, curious your thoughts on that, but that one, if anything made me chuckle a little bit this week uh, when it was shared with me. So thank you to uh, you who shared that with me. All right. So let's move on to Google Gemini. 
If you have not heard about this yet, you may be more familiar with Google Bard, but Google has completely rebranded Bard to Gemini. So if you hear about Gemini, it's the same thing as Bard, but it's not the same. This is a pretty big announcement. They've, I mean, as, as you can imagine, all of these big tech companies who have these large language models, they're in pretty heavy competition with each other. And so OpenAI has really dominated the market with GPT-4 Turbo. And it's got some opportunities, but Google has kind of quietly been behind the scenes. Well, not really all too quietly, but they've they've made some big announcements in the last week on this. So now Gemini Advanced, they're offering a paid version of it, similar to OpenAI's ChatGPT. You can use the free version or you can use the paid version, which will give you access to their Turbo. So Gemini Advanced, which is running their Ultra 1.0, is the premium offering. Now, I've looked into the stats of this stuff. Uh, and if you aren't using you know, ChatGPT or maybe you are using Bard or whatever, everybody seems to kind of, it's kind of like the Apple-Android debate where... You kind of go, I mean, they're pretty similar. But to be fair, I did dig into the, some of the statistics of Gemini now and their latest release of this technology. And it really does, at least by the numbers, outperform OpenAI's GPT-4 Turbo. Uh, so if you look at that, and also some of the things that it was limiting before was it didn't have image generation. Well, February 1st, they added image generation to it. So that's now, you know, keeping head to head with that. And again, some of the features and functionality, at least from a statistics standpoint, are beating out OpenAI. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Google Gemini and where it goes. Uh, I will say some of the other things that really stood out to me, it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. People with Android, now it does work on an iPhone, but its Android integration is impressive. And speaking of the lighter note of iPhones, it is going to be really interesting to watch as these generative AI basically become integrated into our smartphones. And so if you go look at some of the videos about Gemini and how it's seamlessly integrated in with Android and its ability to basically have an AI assistant on anything you would do with your phone versus having a different application that you have to go into use it. Powerful stuff, really powerful stuff when you think about it. And I, I will say it's pretty impressive what they can do. And as you can imagine, with Google coming to the table on this and saying, hey, we've now got Gemini and it's fully integrated into our Androids. Apple is quietly, but they're starting to talk more publicly about their AI release that is planned for later in 2024. Now, it does not surprise me one bit that Apple would be, I don't wanna say late to the game, but that they would be a little more paused and I don't wanna say strategic because it makes it sound like they're better at it. And even though I'm a fan of Apple products, I don't necessarily just go, well, Apple's superior. I think they just tend to kind of watch and see what everybody else is doing. And then they usually, iterate and tweak and come out with something um, similar to the Apple Vision Pro. You know, they didn't jump into the immersive tech space when it first started picking up. Uh, they kind of have waited and now they're coming to market and there's been a lot going on there. So anyway, if you haven't experimented, I actually did play around with Gemini. Uh, they're offering a two month free trial thing. So I, I checked it out. To be quite honest, my personal reaction to it I actually still, from a practicality standpoint, and I know some of these features will probably come very soon. 
some of the things that OpenAI, because they've been doing it longer and had it kind of out first, they've iterated on some of this stuff a little bit quicker. They've had time to do this. So even a simple thing like, you know, I'll take a transcript and drop the document straight into OpenAI. And it's fantastic because a transcript for one of my podcasts can be 50 pages long, something like that. There's not an easy way to do that in Google. You have to do it the old school way you used to with OpenAI, where you have to figure out what the character count limit is, and then you got to do it in chunks. And honestly, after having gotten used to just being able to drop a document or a PDF or whatever straight into it, now it does say that it's going to add that functionality, and I have no doubt they will. Um, but in terms of its performance for how I've toyed around with it, I have not, I would personally say, I don't see this just mind breaking. Like, I don't feel like I use it and go, holy cow, massive leap forward in terms of generative AI and its capability. Now, granted, it does do a better job, even just anecdotally from my experience, handling more complex problems. It thinks more, I guess I would say critically about things. I think the way it shapes its perceptions or its answers or it's, you know, whatever you're asking for, it does do a good job of that. I've also heard really good things about its ability uh, to work with code and mathematics, which has been an opportunity area for open AIs. So all that to say, I'm going to be watching this really curious to see where it goes. I think we are going to get to a point where we're just in this war between the big players, just like Microsoft and Google or Apple and Android type of a thing where, you're going to have people who are going to be fanboys, fanboys, fangirls, whatever, of one versus the other. And we're really going to be arguing. My observation has been we're going to be just arguing about slight nuances and differences and whichever one people is more comfortable with is probably going to be the one they're going to gravitate to. So my personal opinion, and feel free to share if you've had other experiences with it, but I have both of them. I use them both regularly. Do I see myself abandoning OpenAI and completely making the jump over to Gemini Advanced? Probably not. Um, I do know they're working hard to fully integrate it into the whole Google suite. So it'll probably be like Microsoft with Copilot. I would fully anticipate a lot of this because right now Gemini is not integrated into the Google suite, the Google work suite. So my guess is Gemini is going to become its, you know, essentially Microsoft co-pilot, which Microsoft said, we're not going to build our own. We'll just leverage open AI, I think is really what you're seeing there. So interesting to see, but again, big announcements, really impressed with the image quality that it does. So again, we're seeing generative AI continue to mature. What I will say though, is my observations have been, it's not moving forward by the leaps and bounds we were seeing in 2023. I would say we're in more of the fine tuning stages. And what I'm seeing a lot more when I see generative AI and how it's being used is really specialization of it, which the question, if you watched one of my longer form episodes a couple of weeks back where I was talking about its ability to work with analytics, we were talking about non-large language model approaches, so a different kind of AI application for that kind of specialization because large language models can be a bit of a bear to work with when it comes to hyper-specialized, consistent, repeatable type things. So it'll be interesting to see how generative AI holds up, but it does do a great job with chatbots, you know, things like that, complex problem solving. It makes great as an assistant, um, things like that. So it'll be interesting to watch what happens over the next, I don't know, 
eight to 12 months, maybe it'll go faster. But again, I, I see the pace really slowing down with some of this stuff. So I would anticipate with Apple's AI releasing, I don't think we're going to see anything where we just go like our mind is blown. There'll be an Apple flavor to it is my prediction on the matter, but that's all news this week. So again, curious what others thoughts or takes are. And for those of you who maybe have done it a lot, or maybe you are on the Google bandwagon and have been more of a barred Gemini proponent, um, curious your thoughts on that. All right. Transitioning to number three, if you've been following this at all, you have probably seen some of the videos coming out of <laughs> Congress people asking sometimes ridiculous questions to these tech CEOs. You know, Mark Zuckerberg himself turned around and apologized to parents for the impact social media has had on children and all of this. You know, the thing about it is, I've actually spent a fair amount of time this week observing, watching, trying to just think deeply about what this is. Because the reality is one of the things that I think really is behind all of this is we are starting to see some of the unexpected consequences and repercussions of big tech and our dependence on technology and how we use it and what we do with it and how it has become so integrated into our world and our lives, we don't always anticipate the, I don't know, physiological, psychological effects that it has. And that's where, as I look at some of these, I mean, yeah, there are times, some of the clips I just look at and go, why are these the people trying to, you know, govern and create regulations around this? They can't even ask the right kinds of questions. But at the same time, there is a real problem and there are some real systemic issues that we're seeing as a result of kind of turning on some of this technology, putting it in the hands of everyone and then saying, I'm sure it'll be fine. And the reality is it's not fine. It's had a profound effect on not just youth, even though a lot of the focus in these proceedings are about the effect it's had on youth and teens and young adults. I see the effect it's having on mature adults and some of these other things. And I don't think we can just go, oh, look what it's done to the kids. I think we have to look more broadly at, man, what can we learn from some of the hard lessons we're taking from social media? And how do we avoid that same thing happening with generative AI? Because the way things are moving right now, um, I think we are going to experience a lot of this same fallout from generative AI. And there's going to be a lot of unexpected consequences that come from this. What I don't necessarily like, not that I don't like, I mean, it, here's where my nuance kind of in-between approach sometimes ticks people off because I know there are lots of people who want to scream and point fingers at big tech and go, this is all your fault. This is your fault. You created this, you put it in our hands and you're to blame you need to pay the consequences. And I definitely think there is some room for greater oversight, greater regulation around some of these things. Yet at the same time, the part that's less popular and that we don't often want to talk about is we, we in many ways signed up for this. I mean, yes, they made the product, they put it out there, they made it available, but we signed up for it. We integrated it into our lives. We intertwined our identities and our social beings and the fabric of 
our existence into this technology and didn't necessarily really think about it. And I have a lot of empathy though, because a lot of people didn't really know what they were signing up for. They weren't really informed. And, you know, I, I think one example that sometimes gets brought up is big tobacco and what it did and, you know, how it used Joe Camel to target the youth and all these other things. My personal take is I don't, I don't know, maybe they did, but I don't know that it's quite the same with big tech. When you think about big tobacco, there was no benefit to smoking. Like nobody ever went, no, I'm actually really trying to solve a problem in the world and cigarettes and snooze is the solution. Like it wasn't solving a problem where I look at what big tech was doing. It it's more complicated because there is a lot of good that can come with tech. And I do think there were people who really try, were trying to bring people closer together. They were recognizing the distributed nature of things and they saw ways we could bridge that gap. And in some ways either didn't consider or disregarded the real risks. And so I think this, when I hear it compared to big tobacco, I think that's an unfair comparison. I think it's, more complicated and nuanced than that. But I think we also have to think about what role do we play and how do we prevent this from happening in the future? Because I look at generative AI, we're, we're about to let history repeat itself. Generative AI came into the market like a wildfire. It became ubiquitous. It was in everyone's hands. Everybody's started integrating it into every fabric of everything they do. And we're not necessarily going, and again, it's one of those where it's like, it's solving real problems. It's really helping people out. There's some really good things that are coming from it. Just like, I think that's where social media often start, but we're not necessarily going right. But what are the possible negative consequences of this? And as I listen to some of the stories of parents, and honestly, my heart goes out to the parents who have had just tragedies um, that are largely tied to social media. At the same time, as a dad, I look at myself and my responsibility and go, what am I doing to make sure that I'm preparing and protecting my kids for the digital future ahead? Not just social media, but generative AI and the metaverse and all of these things that truly could allow my children to fabricate realities. And how do I help them know how to navigate that well so that it doesn't completely consume them. And so I think we've got some work ahead on this. And I think what we're seeing happening in Congress right now should be a powerful reminder that we really run the risk of repeating this cycle. And I don't know that we're always keenly aware of the fact that we're about to do it again, if we're not careful. And the thing with it is the consequences we're going to feel, if we think the destruction and damage and challenge that social media has brought is significant. It's not going to hold a candle to what generative AI can do and how it's going to affect things. And so I think we all would be wise in taking a step back and going, hang on. And just as a thought provoking kind of a teaser for this, next Tuesday, I'm doing an episode of Future Focused, a long form one with Ayush Prakash. And he's a Gen Zer. We've gotten to know each other probably over the last two years, just talking about this. And we did a long form conversation about what do we do as a cross-generational 
team to try and solve for some of these and how do we get in front of it? So I would highly recommend if you want to hear more of an in-depth conversation on this topic and how do we prepare for it, I'd highly recommend you mark that on your calendars and keep an eye out for that to drop next week. I'm also going to be joining his podcast, which is the Gen Z Diplomat in probably a couple months here, just to talk about it from a parenting standpoint. You know, for me as a dad of seven, I talk with my kids about technology a lot. And on next Tuesday's conversation, the two of us, you know, we kind of jokingly in preparation for it, talked about the fact that as parents, we know there's certain talks we have to have with our kids and somehow technology never made that list. We just kind of went, here's a, here's a phone, here's access to social media. I'm sure you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. And I think that was a huge mistake. And so for me as a dad, that's a mistake I don't want to repeat with my kids. I know it was a mistake that was made with me. You know, I was kind of like, hey, here's the internet. Here's a computer. Good luck. You're more tech savvy than me. Uh, and I made a lot of mistakes with that. And I don't want to repeat that cycle. And so I think there's a lot that we can consider, whether you're a parent or not, because this is a cross-generational challenge that we'd be wise to get ahead of. All right. A little longer and a little deeper than I probably normally would have gone, but I think this one is, you know, more than just a news headline of, haha, isn't it so funny? The, you know, foolish Congress people asking these ridiculous non tax heavy questions and then, you know, all big bad tech companies doing all these. Like, yeah, there's just so much more to it. All right. Last but not least, on a similar vein to this, couple things going on. One, we're in election season. So if you're listening to this outside the US, I'm sure it's almost like entertainment watching the US as we go through political seasons. For those of you who are in the US, I don't know where you stand on this, but I do not like this season one bit. So that largely is contributing to this next topic. But I think also some of this is just, there's some other things. And that really is meta is starting to take a stand and talking about what they're going to do to address fake content, AI-generated content, and how they're going to address that and what they're going to do to make sure it's tagged so at least people can be aware of, hey, this is content, but this is content that was fabricated with AI. And again, I think what's tough about this is where do you draw the line between what is AI-generated and what is AI-assisted? And I don't know that we've really figured out what that line is at this point. You know, I just even think back to some of the examples that, you know, have come up. I've heard of, you know, some celebrity pictures that have been completely fabricated. And you look at that and you're like, well, but someone was behind that who created it. And so it is AI generated. So I guess it's not real. But if you think about, you know, a post or something like that, it, it get the lines get really blurry. So I'm going to be interested to see how Meta actually approaches this and how they end up differentiating what is AI generated versus what is not AI generated. I mean, obviously, I think you know if you create an image that is completely AI generated, then yeah, that makes sense because you could do some real damage with this. And I don't know if you've seen any of these things, um, but there's a company that lost 20, I, this was a, a related headline. And I think this ties to this whole thing of, I've been saying for a while, fake content and the age of distrust is coming. We're in it now. And one example of this, I came across an article this week where a company lost $25 million 
after an employee was duped by deep fakes of his coworkers. Now you might think, how does that work? Like what, you got an email with a picture of somebody going like this, it says 25. No, and this is the part that's crazy about it is this person, this individual was on a video conferencing call with deep fakes of his coworkers, his or her, I can't remember his or her, but he was on a video conference with his, with his coworkers that weren't really his coworkers. And it was live. So he's interacting with these people with their voices, their faces, and ended up, you know, I don't know all the details of what happened on the call and how it ended up, but I mean, I'm, I've been part of enough big companies before where, you know, if you're talking about a strategy thing and it comes up that we need to do this and you approve this thing, I can see where it easily would, $25 million gets moved around because bunch of big wigs are on a call and turns out those big wigs weren't really people. They were AI generated. And then I dug a little bit deeper into it and somebody was telling me uh, there they can, there's ads on different social platforms that literally are advertising that there's deep fake tools for live video conversations. So you can completely fabricate a live video conversation. Now I've known the tech capability has been there for a while now. But the fact that now just off the shelf, you can purchase tools that will allow you to create deep fake live video conversations that feel like you're actually talking to another human being. It's concerning to say the least. And I know this is a big concern with the Super Bowl coming up, you know, with things like that. And then we got the election, then we've got stuff like this. So it's going to be very interesting to see how we as a society handle moving into this age where what can you really trust anymore because so many things can be faked. And, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have the answers to it yet. It's something I've been thinking a lot about. And I had one example I had done a while back, I had created an AI version of myself and then I created a video of it. To me, this goes back to more than ever, we are going to need to lean into building meaningful human interpersonal relationships where we actually know the people that we're working with. Because if we don't, we really are vulnerable and we run the risk to this kind of stuff. And we're going to have to think up new ways to decipher and detect when things aren't real um, and when we're not. But again, this is just getting started. I think some of the folks that I've been running in circles with have been saying this was coming. We've been saying this coming for a while, but now we're actually seeing it come to a head. And this week's that company in the $25 million scam on a live video conference, I think is just the beginning of things that we're going to have to be watching for and mindful for. And I don't say this to freak people out because, you know, sometimes I talk to folks and they're like, man, you are grim. And I'm like, nah, not really. It's just, we need to know what this stuff is so we can be prepared for it. And so our, we can be keenly aware and attuned to watching out for these kinds of things. And I think we're going to need to just, again, be more careful about what we consume, where we consume it from, and how we respond to what we consume. We're going to need to just be more disciplined and discerning before we take action. And just because we see something or we hear something or we read something we're going to need to actually take the time to go, let me dig into this a little bit more first before I just respond to it. And one example of this, I did a cybersecurity one 
probably mid last year. And one of the things we talked about in that episode, just a public service announcement, was we were talking about how this is a more and more common thing that's happening. But, you know, people are faking calls to people and saying, I need you to do this. And because it sounds exactly like somebody you know and it's their voice, people are falling for it. But again, one of the public service announcements we made on that podcast was if you ever get a call from someone who sounds like a loved one and they're asking, you to do something and it's urgent or whatever, even if it sounds really terrible, like I've been kidnapped and all this is going to happen. I just need you to send money to this. One of the simplest yet most unintuitive steps we talked about was to say, hang on, can I call you right back? And that may sound ridiculous, but it was one of those like just catching yourself. And again, it's like phishing scams. It's so easy. You get those emails and 99 times out of a hundred, you catch them. And then there's the one that comes that you just you're not paying close attention and you can get spoofed really easily. So I think we're just going to have to be much more careful and discerning and thoughtful in the content we consume, the decisions we make. And again, I think one of the best ways we can get around this is to really focus on building and maintaining deep, meaningful interpersonal relationships. Again, lots of stuff going on out there can be a little bit scary and overwhelming but I think there's ways we can get around it and ways we will adapt as long as we are aware and committed to doing better. So with that, those are the four top things for me this week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and we will see you on the other side.